Episode 132. The one where Laban decides to pull the old switcheroo. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you theomisogynists out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the The Theonauts. How you doing, David? I'm doing great, man. How's it going? Good. Long time no see. Yeah, I know. In the Theonaut studio. I know. We're like very hit and miss these days. What's we up with that? Past two weeks, I don't know. We've just been on the run. It's the end of the year, so I'm focused on school and getting that in my yeah. far away from my kid. Yeah. It's the end of the year, so I'm focused on school and getting that out of the way. And, you know, yeah. I have a baby. All those about to be one. standardized testes, testings. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. <laughs> but all my kids scored very well. Did they, they? They all improved, every single one of them. Awesome. So, that so they're not going to fire you. They're not going to fire me. According to that, <laughs> I'm good for another year, apparently. So, so yes, Blakely turns one when? Uh, the fourth. Wow. Upcoming, man, two weeks. That's awesome. It's weird. It flies by, doesn't it? It does. She's gotten her top two teeth are broken in now. So <laughs> this morning I went in there and I heard... And she's oh. grinding her teeth <laughs> already. Yes, and I'm like, oh no, no, Blakely oh, can't do that, man. So I put my <clears throat> finger in her mouth every time she tried to do it. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> let's not do that. Wow. So, how have you been? What's going on? Oh, not much. Same thing. It's doing well. Yeah. We went to Scarborough. Yes, Scarborough we Fair did. last weekend, That's last right. Saturday. Yeah, that was fun. Oh man, so many interesting creatures at Scarborough <laughs> Fair. Yeah, okay, so Scarborough Fair is the Renaissance festival. Uh, festival. It's huge. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's the biggest one I've ever seen. Yeah, it's been it's been here in the Dallas area for 40 years, yeah. just south of Dallas, at Waxahachie. Yeah, I mean, they have their own fairgrounds, and it's mm-hmm. gigantic. I had a great turkey leg, and yeah. got to watch a black guy wiggle out of chains. Yeah. And he made some great <laughs> jokes. Making Georgia jokes. Making Georgia jokes the whole time. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> At a Renaissance Festival. Yeah. Well, he was in chain mail, so <laughs> right. that made it all right. Exactly. That made it fit. Totally. So the guy dislocated his shoulder yeah. to get out of a straight jacket. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty I talented. gave him a buck. I did, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. That's totally worth if a you, buck. Yeah, if you're desperate enough to throw your shoulder out of whack twice a day or three times a day, you know, every day, <laughs> then, yeah, I've got to help you out a little bit there. That's it was, it was awesome. I loved it. I love the juggler. He was great. Yeah. That your wife has a thing for. Yeah, she loves him. I don't know what the deal is. It's like... Well, she he's cute, and he can juggle with fire. Yeah. He was a little less energetic this time. He was... Oh, really? I, I think he's kind of losing his steam. You think? Yeah, the first time we saw him, he was just like all over the place, over the top. Wow. You know, and just uh, funny and, and everything, and so... 
Yeah, I don't know. Did he climb a ladder with fire and? Yeah, yeah, that he's still doing the same bit. Wow, <laughs> it didn't change a whole lot yeah. actually. So, but the yeah, the shows. I mean, I just love it because like stepping back in time. It is. It really is cool. Yeah, and uh, I didn't see any real strange costumes this time. I don't know that one guy, the gigantic guy with a white owl costume. Okay. Yeah, but that was kind of barbarian type of thing. We, was, we see that type of thing. That was, I loved it. it yeah, was, it's was so awesome. He, he came on to us. Yeah, he came on to me. Told me, told us that we had <laughs> yeah. nice beards. It was, it was you. You really had a thing for though. <laughs> well, I mean, what can I say, dude? <laughs> I, I guess I just a giant those owl at Scarborough came on to me. Came on to. <laughs> let me run my fingers through your beard, Jeremiah. I almost let him do it. <laughs> Oh, wow. He was that convincing. <laughs> I was like, all right. Sorry. I was getting away as fast as I could. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> that's so funny. And that's the difference between you and me. <laughs> Tolerance. <laughs> wow. Anyways, this show has taken a turn already. That's great. Yes. You can tell we haven't been in the studio for two years. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, so yeah, we so, had Mother's Day. We did have Mother's Day. Yes, yeah. So did I'll, you call your mother? I did. I saw I her spent the, uh, time with my mother. That's good. That's good. She came and ate ate lunch, lunch with us. That was awesome. I called my mom too. They were doing. Uh, my nephew got dedicated uh, up at Kansas City. Um, Is that like infant baptism, but not? Yeah. <laughs> have I'm you just, seen the uh, Have you seen the Babylon Bee on that? Uh, oh yeah, where he accidentally, accidentally spills, spills water. water on infant and baptizes <laughs> baptizes him. <laughs> Baby dedication takes a wrong turn. <laughs> That's great. So yeah, Harrison didn't get any water sprinkled on him, but he did get dedicated. Okay, cool. To the Lord, so it was pretty neat. My mom got to be there for that, and then I called her and reminded her who her favorite son was again. <laughs> and uh, I got. Christina, some mix to do stepping stones to put Blakely's handprint and feet. Oh, in yes, that's that's always nice. Yeah, it's cool. So Neat. we have yet to do that. We haven't done it yet, but you know, mm. I made her dinner and I was a good husband. Good job. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. So it's awesome. Melanie and I, I was just basically happy Mother's Day. Really? Yeah. I guess after this long. Yeah. Has the spark gone out? David, you need to rekindle that a little bit. Oh, the the spark is different. It doesn't go out. It's just different. Yeah. So we are working on year 29. Wow. Not quite there yet. Almost. My dad used to say, we're married five happy months out of 28 years. That ain't bad. (laughs) (laughs) Your dad. What a jokester. Oh, seriously. I love your dad, though. I don't know how my mom puts up with him, but she does. (laughs) So it's amazing. He's like that that quintessential pun maker, you know, or whatever. He is the dad joke guy. Yeah, the dad joke guy. That's him right there. <laughs> His whole life, that's all he's been. Was he like, pull my finger when you were little? No, but he was like, touch that spark plug. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Here, put your tongue to this battery. <laughs> Tell me if it's got some juice left in it. Mom! <laughs> It was tough growing up, man. Wow. Tough. It was bad because my friends wanted to come over and play with him more than me. Well, that's a cool dad, though. (sighs) Yeah. You see, I I felt accomplished when my kids' friends wanted to hang with me. I was like, oh, yeah, see, I've arrived. (laughs) 
and they're all embarrassed to See, death. the difference is, is you didn't grow up with that kind of dad. Because <laughs> your dad was You're very right. straightforward. My, my dad was hardcore, man. <laughs> if it ain't bleeding, you are fine. <laughs> you right. get up from there. Rub some dirt on her. Yeah, even if I was bleeding. Yeah. My, my brother cut a... Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Cut a chunk out of my ankle one time. Right. Cut a tendon, all kinds of stuff. My dad's like, just throw, throw a butterfly on it. It'll be fine. What you crying about? <laughs> Get out here and work some more. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right, we ready to jump into this Mother's Day episode? Yes, let's do this. All right. I'm excited to hear this uh, message again. <laughs> yes, this is this is basically the study I did for Mother's Day, right? But it's not very traditional Mother's Day. No, it was really good, man. It blew me away when I first well, heard it. It's different anyway. Yeah, and the 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 whole point we were thinking, you know, there's a lot of women that actually suffer through Mother's Day. Yeah. Because of all the focus on mothers and all this sort of thing, and it's like they. You know, if they can't have kids or, if you know, they didn't have such a good relationship with their mom or whatever. There's always just like this certain little group of people that just feel kind of left out, ostracized. Yeah. And so we thought, you know, let's try and incorporate as many women as possible. So I started thinking, OK, well, let's let's just talk about women in general. and Let's talk about women in women. the Bible. And uh, so you didn't go to Proverbs 31, which I'm shocked. I did, actually, but not much. Oh, that's right. You did reverse yeah. out of there. I'll talk about it a little bit here, but okay. the um, but that's so cliche. I mean, yes, it's in the Bible. I get that. It's tr- completely true. But it's like that's where everybody goes. How many sermons have you heard on it? Yes. How many times can we go over it and without exploring it more? And right. I guess that's what I I was hoping to do is explore it a little deeper. Sure. And uh, and and maybe look at you know where women find their value. And that was one of the things I really got to thinking about because if you look in today's society, we've got this we've got this this culture that that teaches women how they need to be from a very young oh, yeah. age. Definitely. And uh and they find their worth in whether or not they're accomplishing those things. Right. Uh whether that's their physical appearance or their job or their education. Is that what defines you, you know? Sure. Or or is it getting married, you know, and you're not, you're not there until you're married. Right. Well, there's so many different standards that are held to women mm-hmm. that, you know, <coughs> society, the societal standard that says you're a, you're a perfect woman if you, you know, if you, you have your career, you're career minded and, yeah. you, you know, focused on, you know, making money and, and, you know, pushing the woman's rights banner and all this stuff. Then you have... The traditional church standard, which says you are fulfilled as a woman whenever you're a wife and have five kids and cook for your husband every night yeah. and clean the house and are perfect in that that standard, you know. And women just struggle with that the whole thing. And then not only that, but then you have the physical side, which is you know the the beauty. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. You're you're not a perfect woman unless you're you know a size zero and you know have a you know, double D bust and you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. And so there's so many to be a woman in today's society would be one of the hardest things I think to 
to do. Well, you're constantly comparing yourself to others yeah. based on our based on our current how we teach people and, and and women aren't alone in this. I mean guys have this too. Sure. But but it just seems like the standards are just it seems like it's very off kilter. Yeah. And uh, and unfortunately a lot of girls just feel like if they don't have that boyfriend or they don't have that husband or whatever then they're worthless, yeah. you know, or they, they're not fulfilled because they don't have the guy or they don't have the guy's love. And, uh, and even if they do have the guy, then it becomes about, can I have kids? And if I don't have kids, I'm not fulfilled and, and all this sort of thing. Sure. And so I guess this study was meant to, to basically say, you know, you need to find where your worth lies and that it doesn't lie in your ability to do any of these things, it doesn't lie in your physical appearance. It doesn't lie in your accomplishments as a career woman or an right. educated person. Or it doesn't. Your worth doesn't lie in whether or not you have found some guy to to uh, fall all over you. Your worth doesn't lie in the fact that you have children or not. And it's not that all those things aren't noble things to aspire to, but. It's like if you don't reach them, there's this huge weight there that, that shouldn't be there. Sure. And so, so what I wanted to do is look at basically a, a particular story in the Old Testament uh, that focuses on relationships. Uh, and that is the story of Jacob and his wives, Rachel and Leah. <laughs> You know, it's such a great and interesting story in the Bible. You know, Jacob's whole life story from beginning when he's gripping his brother's mm -hmm. heel and he gets named the jokester. Yeah. All yeah. the way through to stealing the birthrights, all the way through, you he's know. He's a jerk, man. He's an absolute jerk, you know. <laughs> and uh, what's crazy is as God chooses Jacob, he's in the <laughs> habit of doing that, you know, chooses Jacob to be the forerunner and to be the, the father, father right. becomes Israel to be the father of his chosen people. How amazing and weird is that? Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting story. And the story of uh, Rachel and Leah is, you know, no less interesting yeah. in that. So. And actually, that's a great point about Jacob being so flawed and yet being elevated to such a position. Yeah. Because that's going to come into play in this study. Oh, yeah. And, and so because God finds the most, uh, what people see as inadequate or whatever, God uses those people. Always. Like those are the people that, that God is going to shine through, right? If you can accomplish all these great things on your own, you know, well, fine, you go celebrate yourself. But if you can accomplish a lot of these things... The only thing you have to celebrate is God, and God is glorified then because everyone can see God through you right. instead of just looking at you. Yeah. And that's, you know, all of us need to get away from being in the limelight. Yeah. It's not about us being in the limelight. Right. You know? It's the beauty of grace laid mm -hmm. out in Jacob's life. And so, again, Rachel and Leah are no, uh, no different. Now, you know, I've always heard this story growing up. As the, you know, the love story of... Oh, it's such a great love story, isn't it? <laughs> Rachel and Jacob. Yeah. You know, he saw her 
loved her. And he loved her for Love the moment. Love at first sight. That's right. It was and he so awesome. kissed her and then he wept, right? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Thing. All of it. It's <laughs> so fairy tale-ish. Yes. And um and so I wanna I wanna take a second look at at this at not only their relationship but this other relationship as well. Sure. So okay, so for those of you who aren't versed in the story, we'll kind of give you the the cliff notes. So you got Jacob cheats his brother out of his inheritance and then leaves town. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And and his mom has had told him, go down to our relative, uh, Laban, and he will give you some work. <clears throat> so he goes down and to visit this distant relative and and ends up falling in love with his with his youngest daughter, Rachel. Sees her at the well, there's this beautiful uh, love story thing happening, love at first sight, just like we said. Right. Kisses her, you know, and and so then he goes to to kind of break with with Laban about sure uh, about her. Got to go bargain with the daddy. <clears throat> yeah, because in this culture, you didn't just fall in love and get married. No, it, it, marriages were arranged. You were the the men would make strike an agreement with the father. And say, okay, I'll give you X number of camels. <laughs> <laughs> that one's worth a donkey <laughs> and a goose. <laughs> yeah, so they make a deal, and you know, um, you know, maybe get a do- maybe get a wife out of the deal. Which is another good point because this culture did not glorify women. No, not at a, all. There not was all. no. I mean, women were around to have babies. Yeah, yeah. That was it. That was their worth. That's how they found their yes. worth. Yes, and and that's and that is very. This is going to come out in the story. Yeah. So, um, so I want to look at Genesis twenty nine verse sixteen and seventeen. I'm reading from the NET. It says, "Now Laban had two daughters. The older one was named Leah." And the younger one, Rachel. Now, Leah's eyes were tender, but Rachel had a lovely figure and a beautiful appearance. Mm. So when we're introduced to these young women, we get this this physical description of them. And I don't know about you, but the way I get the way I read this, it's almost like Leah's getting this backhanded compliment. <laughs> you have nice eyes. Yeah, she's got tender eyes. <laughs> <laughs> But Rachel, but Rachel, she's a looker. Let me tell you, got the figure, man. Woo, she's smoking, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of it, it. I also like to think about this in ways of of I think maybe Leah's character is being portrayed a little bit in this description of her having tender eyes. Maybe that means that she, you know, because what does that really mean? I mean. I don't know. What <laughs> does that mean that she looks upon people in a tender, loving, a caring way, yeah. way? She's sympathetic, she's compassionate, she's it kind of gives you a little more insight into her than right. what it says about Rachel because all it says about Rachel is that she had a lovely figure. <laughs> she she had a good body. Yeah. And uh she had this beautiful appearance. So, it's almost like we're getting physical beauty on one side. And a more spiritual, beauty. spiritual or internal beauty on the other on the other lady, and uh, but Jacob had fallen in love with this hot chick, right. and so uh, he goes to to um, to basically arrange his marriage, right? And so this is in Genesis twenty nine, continuing on verse eighteen says, since Jacob had fallen in love with Rachel, 
He said, I'll serve you seven years in exchange for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban replied, I'd rather give you to her than to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob worked for seven years to acquire Rachel, but they seemed only a few days to him because his love for her was so great. Okay, this is the quotable passage (laughs) that we always hear in this story. Oh, Jacob loves her so much. This, the, the, you know, he, right. he worked for seven years and it just seemed as a day. You know, and I've actually used this preaching to teenage girls. Find a guy that's willing to surrender seven years to you. Right, right. right? Who's willing to, you know, spend yeah. all that time and it's nothing for him. Yeah, it's very, it's very fairy ish It's yeah. very... You know, and they lived happily ever after is what you're expecting to come next, right? Sure. <laughs> so the the thing that I find interesting here is that, um, okay, so for one, the reason why this deal was struck is because Jacob didn't have anything. The bless, the, st- the things he stole from, from Isaac, he hasn't gotten yet. Like, right. that's inheritance. Oh, yeah. And so uh, he really doesn't have much to barter with. And so what he does is he offers his service. He basically becomes an indentured servant in order to pay off the bride price. Right. In order to purchase his bride. And uh, so that's um, that's what happens. And we have a spin that then occurs over the next 10 verses or so. I've always wondered about this. And nobody is really, nobody can really it, it's tell It's kind of hard to explain. Other I, than they got him punched drunk. I and, know, because I'm thinking, okay, I, I know it's got to be cultural. I know it's got to be cultural, but somehow, how did this happen? <laughs> so, <laughs> you got to know, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's, what's going on? Yeah. So, so Laban pulls the old switcheroo. He plays, pulls the switcheroo. He's yeah. like, uh, Jacob's like, okay, I finished my seven years. Give me my wife. He's like, you got it. So they have the ceremony. They, he he uh, consummates this marriage. Wakes up in the morning to find out, whoops, <laughs> wrong woman. Yeah. <laughs> Laban, Laban married him off to Leah yeah. instead of Rachel, the older sister with the tender eyes. Yes. Um, and not the banging body. Not the one with the hot body, which... Might have come up, you know, Somehow. in the course of the night, but I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know, but uh, so I don't know how all this transpired, but apparently, it did. <laughs> now, I I wanted to to stop because what I want to do in this story is I want us to look at this story not from Jacob and Rachel's point of view, but let's look at it from Leah's point of view. Oh man. Because this is a heartbreaking part of the story if you're Leah. Right. Like, if, if you're Rachel, you know, oh, it's, seven years was as of one day, blah, 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 blah. But if you're Leah, <laughs> it's like, oh, you mean I get to marry Jacob instead? Dad's like, hey, listen, here's how it's going to go down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sneak you in there. I'm sneaking you in. You're going to be all right, lady. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to take care of you. And, and basically... You know her hopes had to be up, and you sure. know that she was thinking, "Okay, um, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna get to marry finally, 
you know, because one of the things Jacob or Laban tells Jacob is like, look, that's not our custom. I can't just give you my younger daughter. Sure. I've got to, uh, I've got to give away the oldest. That's the way it works. And uh, so he had kind of worked his way out of this trick. And, but imagine Leah's thinking, okay, I'm finally got a husband and, and all this is going to work out fine and et cetera. Only to have Jacob furious in the morning. And like all those hopes and dreams and thoughts of that loving husband just completely reject you. Shattered. Yeah. And uh, <sighs> and to find out then the next plan was I'm gonna work seven more years to obtain Rachel. That was the that was the deal that was cut. He's like, Okay, you can have both my daughters for wives, but you're gonna have to work an additional seven years to do it. Wow. <clears throat> So he's worked for for 14 years. So this is the woman that's basically rejected from the day she's married. Yes. Can, Im- can you imagine that? Seven years. Seven years of living with this man, knowing his, his eyes are on the woman out in the field. His, his eyes are on the woman outside the tent. Like that's, he's focused on her. You're his wife. Yeah. Like, th- like. This is not what it was. My life was supposed to be. This is not what I was supposed to, to, right. to have, and um, and so anyway, whenever the time finally comes, the seven, the fourteen years were finally accomplished. Uh, in Genesis twenty nine verse thirty, uh, Jacob gets what he's been working for all this time. The younger daughter Rachel says Jacob had marital relations with Rachel as well. He loved Rachel more than Leah. Mm. So he worked for Laban for seven more years. So they hung out at dad's place for an, an additional seven years, which makes 21 years total that all of this, they were all in this little camp yeah. together. Now, I'm thinking about, think about even this. I mean, like, I've been married almost 29 years. Half that time. Imagine, 14 years? 14 years of unhappy marriage with this guy knowing that that he loves your sister more right and he's just caught in this this horrible Web. situation yeah oh. and uh so he ends up like um god kind of has grace and mercy on leah and god I think, and this is just me, but I think based on the way the Holy Spirit renders the words in this in these texts, I believe God loved Leah more than he loved Rachel. Hmm. And the reason why I say that is because <clears throat> honestly, I think the I think the statement about the tender eyes is actually a better compliment. Okay. Than her having a hot figure and beautiful appearance. Because that's lasting. That's something that that is greater and deeper and more meaningful mm. than the physical appearance, which is probably going to go away. I mean, sure, that, that stuff is fleeting. That's right. You know, and um, and so, and then we look at this verse here. Okay, so in verse in chapter twenty nine, uh, verse thirty one to thirty two, it says, "When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved." Some translations use the term hated, which is even harsher. He enabled her to become pregnant while Rachel remained childless. 
So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, The Lord has looked with pity on my oppressed condition. Surely my husband will love me now. I just think that's so sad. <laughs> because this is supposed to be one of the happiest days of your life. Sure. You're having your first child. This is Jacob's first child. This should be a celebrated thing. This should be something that that draws him very close to Leah because children, especially male children, were very important. Absolutely. That's the heir, man. That's the thing. Yeah. So, And this is the guy that's going to inherit everything. Right. And you're the mother yeah. of this guy. I mean, this is like, this is big stuff. And uh, I also think it's interesting that it makes it sound like God is withholding children from Rachel so that Leah can have this moment. Like he's, he is blessing her with children right? and, and leaving Rachel kind of out of it. Cause Rachel's gotten the good end of the deal yeah. for, you know, this, this amount of time. She's the one that's been loved. And so once again, you, you've got this whole concept of where do you find your worth? Is it in that this man loves you or is it, is it bigger than that? Um, I think we're going to start to see that there's a little bit of a trade-off going on here because there's a little bit of worth happening now because you're able to bear children and you're and one of them's not. Right. Uh, but I do think it's sad that the focus, even after having the child, was surely my husband will love me now. <laughs> that's that's her thought. This is it. This is my big moment. Yeah. Mm. So the very next verse says, She became pregnant again and had another son. And she said, Because the Lord heard that I was unloved, so apparently it didn't work the first time. Right. He gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. So once again, she's focused on the fact that she's unloved. And she's once again, even though having a second son, she's still focused on her worth not being fulfilled because... Jacob still loves Rachel. Right. And he doesn't love her. Um, so then a third time it says she became pregnant again and had another son. And she said, because the Lord heard that I was on. Un- oh, that's one I just read. Sorry. Uh, verse 34. She became pregnant again and had another son. And she said, now this time my husband will show me affection <laughs> because I have given birth to three sons for him. That is why his name is Levi. Now let's stop and think about the importance of these people that she's bearing. <laughs> so, obviously, that first one, Reuben, was the oldest and, right. and the, the primary heir to the family. Uh, this third one, though, Levi, think about what happens. Levi becomes the father of the priesthood. That's right. He's the priest. And so, um, wow, that's huge. And Leah's the mother right. of this. But that's not what's in her vision. She can't see the bigger picture. She can't see the implications of what is happening here in the grand scheme of things. All she knows is this guy won't love me. Mm-hmm. So her she's feeling worthless still because she's finding her worth in this man right. who by all by all accounts is a jerk. <laughs> Right. Jacob's Absolutely. a great jerk. <laughs> and, and uh but she's that's where she's putting all of her eggs in that basket. Sure. Literally. <laughs> and then, so nice. 
It's a great, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. All right, keep going. <laughs> okay, yeah, that was totally an unintentional. It just came out. <laughs> okay, so here's the verse that I really want to focus on a little bit. The next verse says, verse 35, She became pregnant again and had another son. And she said, this time, I will praise the Lord. That is why his name is Judah. And then she stopped having children. Hmm. I just find it very interesting that there's no mention of Jacob in this statement of hers. Right. She's completely, like, it's not like, it's like she's not, quite as focused anymore. Now, I won't say not focused on it because there are some events that happen in the next chapter Sure, that makes it obvious she still wants this guy's affection. She, she, at one point, she trades mandrakes for a night with the guy. Right. Like, so she's definitely still obsessed with, with getting the love of, right. of Jacob. But um, in the words that were given by the Holy Spirit, in her in her thoughts whenever Judah, who by the way, is what line? Oh my goodness. See, and that's the big deal. This is the line of the tribe of Judah. This is Jesus' line. Yes. This is the royal line. Right. And the amazing thing is that she makes this proclamation, I am going to praise God. And that's why this man's going to be named Judah. And there's a huge message in this. It is, it's, it's a great message. And part of it is, in a way, we can look at it this way. Maybe Leah's not finding as much of her worth in Jacob anymore. Maybe she's finding her worth in where her blessings are coming from. The one who is showing her love. The one who is loving her all the time. That's blessing her with children. One right after another. Yeah. See, where Jacob failed, God never fails. Yes. And that's, that's the reality, is, is God is blessing her over and over and, and more abundantly. And, you know, this is a lesson for both women and men who put their self-worth and their heart um, into the things of this world. Mm-hmm. Such as husbands or wives or children. Th- those can be frail things. People are messed up. People, right. people will let you down. Always. I mean, I don't care how trustworthy you are. I mean, I consider myself a pretty trustworthy guy. I have let people down so many times, it's unreal. Sure. And, and everybody's that way. I mean, you're going to get let down if you're putting all your trust in people. And so, but you're right. I mean, God, he's the one who's not going to let you down. Ever. And he's the one that where we should find our worth. He's the one... W- who created us, the reason why we even live, right? Mm-hmm. So he's the one that should get all our glory, and yet we, we look around for these fickle things to fulfill us and make us feel like, you know, we're yeah. whole. I'm not, I'm not a complete person until I have this man right, or whatever. All the time, she's being blessed with blessings un- innumerable. Right. Like, children are a great blessing. Sure. And... Uh, and, and, and she is not only giving birth to children, but she's giving birth to a nation yeah. and doesn't even know it. Like right. She does not even know the power and the implications of what's happening. Here. Sure. And it's quite understandable that she's let down. I mean, look at her life. Mm-hmm. Her life has been one let down after another, after another, after another. And, and then still, you know, after all this time, 
she gets it at, at this point. Right. You know, and, and not all the way, like you said, but she she gets it. Mm-hmm. And this is why she names this kid Judah, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I will glorify God. Yeah. In the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the pain, I realize that my self-worth is not wrapped up in some man. Right. My self-worth is wrapped up in the God who loves me, created me, and and desires me. Yes. So if we take this to... Um, to Another level here. Um, the next chapter has this this switch. Yeah. The, uh, well, first off, I want to say this. It says in there in the last verse of, of chapter thirty or chapter twenty nine that she stopped having children. Now that doesn't mean she stopped forever. Right. She was having these kids right after the one right after the other, and she stopped at that point. And I think that's very telling. She has more children later, but at this point, I think it's important that God, that the Holy Spirit's telling us, because she acknowledged this, because she said, I will praise God this time, she no longer had to have kids because she knew where she was being fulfilled. And I think that's a big message. The very next verse, chapter 30, verse 1, changes gears and stops looking at Leah for a minute and looks at Rachel. And and look what Rachel says there in chapter 30, verse 1. It says, when Rachel saw that she could not give Jacob children, she became jealous of her sister. Hmm. Shoes on the other foot. First time, yeah. (laughs) She said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. (laughs) Wow. That's such a dramatic statement. <laughs> this is a very dramatic statement. <laughs> but it's also telling as to where Rachel's looking for her worth. That's right. Now, she has this coveted love of this man, yeah. right? She's got what Leah's been desiring, but she's not fulfilled in it. Yeah. She's, not, she's not finding herself worth in that because she's had that yeah. all along. It's never going to be enough, is it? No. You know... We we have this, but we want this, mm-hmm. right? And it's yeah. we get that, and we want that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so it, it never. When we look in the physical for our fulfillment, we never get enough. Yeah, it's always more and more and more and more. It, it, it's so funny when you're talking about that. It it reminded me of you know Chris Cornell just died. Oh yeah, and uh, sad day. And so I was back in the day. I was a big Soundgarden fan. Huge. I mean, it's like huge. And one of my favorite songs, Soundgarden, is "Outshined," and that actually <laughs> works into this story. Sure. The the lyrics to that song. There's a lyric in the song that says, "The grass is always greener over there where the dog is." expletive where the dog <laughs> is taking a dump okay so, and then, <laughs> but i think that's very <laughs> profit <laughs> but if you think about the message of that it's we don't realize that it's not that good over there that's right like the dog is taking a dump on that grass over there that we want so bad sure absolutely and that's the exact same thing that uh that what what is happening here. They're finding their self-worth in the wrong things right. and they're focusing, they're, they're spending their whole life thinking, if I just had this husband who loved me, <laughs> I would be an okay person or I would be fulfilled. If I just had children, I would be fulfilled. So there's this turn of the tables and the next, this chapter is ridiculous, by the way. Chapter 30. Oh my goodness, yeah. Spend some time reading it, guys. <laughs> it is messed up because what happens is 
she gets so desperate to have children that she's like, okay, well, you know what? If I can't do it, I'll get my handmaid to do it for me. And so she basically gives her handmaid as a concubine to Jacob so that she can accomplish this. And there's some kids that come out of the deal. And Leah's like, it's not a big deal. I can do that too. And right. <laughs> she does the same thing. So she does the same thing. And, and Jacob's just, you know, whoa, whoa what in the world? <laughs> Either poor guy or lucky guy. Yeah, whatever like it is. But anyway, um, so all these <laughs> kids are happening. Rachel finally gets children. She finally has two children. Now, here's the sad thing for me. Her statement here in chapter 30, verse 1, is a little bit ironic. It's a little bit prophetic. She says, give me children or I'll die. Mm. Um, you have to be careful about what you uh, yeah, say and, what you, and what you, where you put all your hope and where you put all your dreams because... Basically, this came true. She died That's right. in childbirth with Benjamin, her last child, her second child. Yeah. And um, I find this a very sad story. And, you know, I feel sorry for Rachel. I don't look at it in terms of, like, we've always read the Jacob and Rachel story like it's this great love story and, and there's this, this, this seven years and 14 years of waiting and kissed her and he wept and blah, 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 and all that fairy tale stuff. They lived happily ever after, but they didn't. She was unfulfilled because she didn't have children. And when she finally did have children, she lost them. It killed her. Yep. And um, so, okay, so Joseph... Right? And look what happens to Joseph while she's living. She never sees that come to fulfillment. That's right. She sees her she sees her her first son lost, presumed dead, sold to slavery. Her second son ends up being her the death. Kills her, yep. And she names him, by the way, she doesn't name him Benjamin. Mm-mm. She names him uh Benoi, which means Child of my suffering or Yes. The child of my suffering, mm. the son of my suffering, which means she died very Painful, sad, yeah. very very unfulfilled, and so I think you know next time we're reading our Bible stories to our children and talking about the great love that Rachel and Jacob had, remember it doesn't have a happy ever after <laughs> ending. That's right. It has a tragic ending. It does, and it you know it's so sad because she. Again, looks at the, and you can see so many correlations. The thing that you're chasing after the most in this life, once you get it, is it going to be the end of you? Yeah. You know, is it going to be the thing that ruins you because it's the thing that consumes you? Right. You know? Now, what's cool is God has redemption even there because Joseph becomes the redemption of, yes. of Israel, right? Yes. And if it weren't for Joseph, if it weren't for Rachel's firstborn, then we wouldn't have a redemption of yeah. Israel. But. That, you know, that's not Rachel's redemption. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So, you know, it's a sad, sad thing for her. Yeah. So moving on from their story, I want to kind of take this into into that virtuous woman passage. Sure. Okay, so I'm not going to read all, what is it, uh, 20 verses of of the virtuous woman thing. Thanks. (laughs) So this is the second half, basically, of Proverbs 31. And... um, 
I want us to think about it in a little bit different terms than we normally do. Okay, so the very first verse of the of this passage is verse 10. It says, Who can find a wife of noble character? For her value is far above rubies. Mm. And then it begins to say, for she does this and for she does that. And she goes into the marketplace and she buys all this food for her family. And she's a, she's a good, ta- she does tapestry and she builds all this clothes and she does this. And her husband's proud and he goes into the market and everyone knows, hey, that's your wife. Mm, good deal, you know. Right. <laughs> and he's known in the gates and, and her children rise up and they praise her too. So there's all of this talk about what she is. Right. And I think we often read it wrong. It's almost like we read that first verse that says, who can find a, a virtuous or a, noble, a woman of noble character for her values form of rubies? And then we start reading the rest of it like, oh, this is the checklist of things you this must do. This is the descriptions do. of this, yeah. Yeah, this is what you have to do to become virtuous. You have to, you know, do this. And you have to do that. And you have to, no, I, I, I want us to look at it a little differently. What he says here in this first passage is not who can make a virtuous woman or who can become a virtuous woman. What he says is who can find one. That's right. She's already virtuous before we got to the list. She's already got noble character before she's selling goods at the market and sewing up their tapestries and making you proud as a husband and all these other things that are in this list. Those are reflections of what she already is. Yeah. And it's so she's not virtuous because of these things. She doesn't become that. Right. It's just like the whole concept of salvation. that You're not saved because you do all these wonderful things and you can stand up and say, I did all this and I'm saved because of it. It's right the opposite. You're saved in your worthlessness, and then you do these things because you're made righteous, because you're made virtuous. And so uh, let's look at what I believe is the telling verse, which is the last one in the passage, which says, Charm is deceitful. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Hmm. So maybe the virtue, maybe the noble character doesn't come from the things. Maybe it comes from the fact that she has surrendered herself to the father of this universe. Amen. To God. Yeah. And that's what did Leah say when she had Judah? (laughs) This time I'm going to praise God. This time I am putting it all on him. I'm putting my worth, my love my everything, I'm focusing on him because he is what is ultimately Amen. valuable. And that makes her noble. That makes her virtuous. That's what gives you worth, is, is surrendering to that. All the other stuff in that list are reflections of what you already are. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's more it's more about discovery and and that sort of thing. Um one of the things I wanted to, to look at is this concept that you mentioned earlier about Jacob being such a ridiculous character, but becoming the father of a great nation and having this great responsibility. And um, it's just like God to do that type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a passage in First Peter that talks about husbands and wives and everyone wants to focus on, you know, 
Even Sarah called Abraham Lord. <laughs> I try that all the time. <laughs> it doesn't work, oh, does it? It doesn't work, yeah. Uh, That's hilarious. But, you know, foregoing what he tells, what his instructions to women are in that passage, let's look at what he tells the men. So he tells in 1 Peter 3, verse 7, this is from the ESV, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. A lot to digest in that little passage. Yeah, that's there's a ton in there. Um, the prayer's not hindered. Yeah, that's a mysterious one. And But the main thing I wanted to look at here is this whole thing about the weaker vessel. Sure. So he's referring to women in this passage as the weaker vessel. What does he mean? Does he mean subservient, lesser, inequality, blah, blah, blah? You know, I had, a, uh, I had an awesome biology teacher. Um, I went to a Christian private school. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to throw that out there. I had an awesome biology <laughs> teacher, and uh, um, I'm still friends with him on Facebook today. He's in, I think, New Orleans or something now teaching. Yeah. Anyway, so one day he brings to class a uh, a, a mug, like something you'd take on the job, like a, a thermos. You know okay. what I mean? With yeah. the unscrewed top. It was a Stanley thermos, the green ones with the, you know, it was, it was heavy duty. And he brings a wine glass. Right? Yeah. A, a high-stemmed wine glass, like beautiful-looking wine glass. He's like, both of these do the same thing. They hold liquid. They do really well. You know, they're vessels created to do a certain thing, and they both do it very well. This one holds liquid. This one holds liquid. But this one, he can take it, and he threw it against the wall. Boom, you know, and he stomped on it, and he, you know, did all yeah. this stuff. And uh, he's like, you can do that, and you can, you know, unscrew it and pour your coffee and still drink it. It works fine. It's made for a specific purpose, and that person's to beat up and roughed up and all that stuff. <laughs> right. He's like, this one has a different purpose. You don't take this to the job site. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take this to, uh, you know, drink your coffee out of in the morning when you're at the <laughs> construction. No, this one is is for parties. This is this is a delicate, beautiful piece that you bring out when you have company, and you want them to like what you have. You want to put the best in front of them. Right. You wouldn't take a Stanley mug and set it out in front of them at a dinner party, would you? Right. No, you take your wine crystal glass. There's an elegance to it. There's no. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. shaped. It's perfect. But you can't do the same thing. And he slammed it against the thing and busted. You know. Right. It's like that's that's what he means. Mm-hmm. That's what he's talking about. They're equal. They're hundred percent equal. Yeah, but they have different purposes, different functionality. That's right, and that's a, I think a perfect way of looking at this passage because it says there's like the very next statement is since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. That's a statement of equality. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I mean the Bible, contrary to what people may think because of their misinterpretations of it and their and their narrow views of how they read it. The Bible is not about inequality to women. It does not do that. In right. fact, it elevates women to a pretty crazy place, um, especially for a text from that time period. Sure. Um, and so what it does here is this this weaker vessel is exactly what you're saying. 
He's not saying that it's worthless. He's saying that it's worth more. That's right. Because it's delicate and because it is a uh, it, it has a specific purpose. So the thing is, leave it to God to take the weak thing the, to make his light shine even stronger. Amen. Okay, so stop and think about, for example, this is the same thing you were saying, just like the thermos and the, and the wine glass. Dads and moms. Look at how dads and moms handle certain situations with children. <laughs> yeah, so true. I mean, really. I mean, you're just like the little kid falls down. Dad's like, ah, get up. You know, just like I was saying, my dad. I mean, sure. he was very much man's man. You know, stop that crying. <laughs> Whatever. Absolutely. My mom, on the other hand, would pick me up, put me on her knee, hold me, rock me until I stopped crying. Sure. It was a totally different thing. Yeah. My dad couldn't do that to save his life. I like, remember it. And if he did, I, I would have thought it was weird. Well, Blakely, <laughs> yeah, Blakely was in the back seat one time, and she was just wailing. And I knew she was hungry. But, you know, we were five minutes away from home. So mm-hmm. I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to drive home. Christina made me stop the car. She made me stop the car. And she had to get out and get in the back seat to console Blakely. Yeah. You know, and it's that. That's the mom. That's the mom. Yeah. That's, that is the, that's the value. That's the elegance. That's all it. All of this, and I think it's funny in the sermon that I was giving, I was talking about all this, and I was, and I said, That's great. I yeah. said, you know, uh, a, a dad, he's not going to take care of that sick kid very well, you know, and while mom's going to be there wiping the sweat off the brow, putting sure. the rag on, and I said, putting the thermostat <laughs> in the in the kid's mouth. Okay, that I guess you obviously know what a I, thermostat is. Yeah, I, well, I obviously don't know what a thermometer exactly. is exactly, but. but at least I didn't say putting it in their bottom uh, or whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> but uh, it just made my point even better because sure. that just shows goes to show how I'm not into that. Like right. that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like, okay, do we have some mess in here? Take this and leave me alone. Right. And that's kind of what guys are, whereas moms are are completely different. And so God uses these so-called weaker vessels to bring a strength. Sure. To, it's undescribable. Like it, it is. It, it is this inner strength mm. that that I see in women that a lot of guys just don't have. I mean, childbirth is a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, I cannot even imagine my hips coming apart like that and that happening. I just that would be insane. Yeah. I mean, I just cannot even fathom right. what that's like. But and. And it's not necessarily to me that a woman can endure the pain more as much as it is. She knows what's on the other side of that pain. That's right. And she's got vision about it. And she's focused. And once again, knowing the value and knowing the worth and all this sort of thing. So I think that God uses women in this way. Uh, look at how Jesus treated women. Look at how the New Testament treats women. It's mm. it's it's remarkable. Jesus views women in a in um, he views them as trustworthy. So, like um, for example, when he came when he came out of the grave, he didn't reveal himself to the guys first. Uh oh, it was to women. Yeah, which is totally counterintuitive to all of that culture. Yes, I mean that's so weird that this is the moment upon which the entire gospel hangs. That's right. Right, the entire gospel, the salvation of the world, hangs on that, on that, and he reveals it to women. To women, 
and entrust them with the message. Amen. And that's just so fascinating to me. Um, he he trumpets their faith, like even the, like the Syrophoenician woman, who's like you know at first he calls her a dog, which I think he's playing into what his disciples there are thinking because they're saying, hey, this woman's following us and wagging her tongue. Let's you know whatever. And he calls her a dog because she's a Gentile is why and why he actually does that. Right. But he says, you know, should we? I've bought bread for the children of Israel. Should that be food for the dogs? And But her reply was so beautiful. Her reply was so elegant. It was, but doesn't the puppies, the Greek term there, meaning the little dogs, don't, don't the puppies eat what falls off the master's table? <laughs> so beautiful. Right. He's like, that's what you all are, by the way. That's what all these guys that were just thinking, hey, we need to get rid of this woman, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you're all puppies, right? And this woman gets it. Amen. And they didn't. And he blesses her for her faith. That's right. And you have, That's the faith I've been looking for this yes. whole time. He's like, I have not seen faith like this in all the land. Can you imagine how that feels if you're a guy who's been walking behind him the entire time? <laughs> you're his disciple. He said, take up your, you know, or he, he said, come follow me, you know, yeah. to those guys. And then he turns to this Phoenician woman and says, I haven't seen faith like that <laughs> in you guys. <laughs> right, right. And, and then, uh, you know, again, the, the woman with the issue of blood who yeah. followed Jesus through the crowd and just, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Mm. And bam, he, he blesses her for that. And um, it's just that type of thing shows up. Oh, the woman with the alabaster box. Oh, man. It's like Judas is going, man, that's a waste of money. I mean, that's a guy thing to say. I mean, sure. I know Judas was Judas. But and, it's still a guy thing But still, to say, that was yeah. a very guy thing to say. And if it wasn't Judas, it would have been whoever else was holding the purse. That's right. And it was like, what a waste of money. And Jesus is like, you just, you just don't get it. <laughs> like, she gets it. Right. And, and I love what he, te- what he says. He says, everywhere the gospel's preached, this story's going to be told. <sighs> this woman will be remembered. And she is. <laughs> wow. Amen. So cool. So you got that. You got the, the evangelical side of he, he blessed women with this, the, entrusting them with evangelical missions. Right. So the very first evan, evangelical or very first evangelist to the Samaritans was who? The Samaritan woman. Yeah, the woman the at woman the well. well yeah. <laughs> That's like, wow. It didn't send John. Didn't send James. Didn't send Peter. He had a divine appointment with her just to send her out as the messenger. Yes. The very first evangelist to the Samaritans was a woman. Right. Not even a woman, but a woman who was shunned (laughs) by the rest of her clan, apparently, because she was at the well in the middle of the day. Which was too hot to be gathering water, and all none, no other women were there. When they always did this together, this was a social type of thing, and in their culture, and so she was apparently an outcast, right? And he entrusted her with this, and oh, wow, it just floors me. Sure, how how much he focused on their dedication. He um, look at how many of these women followed him around. Look who was at the foot of the cross. Women and John. Women and John. Yeah. <laughs> so he, 
<laughs> just all the other guys, they just ran off. That's right. The girls hung out, man. The girls were there at his feet. And then I just love, you know, kind of the, the Mother's Day quote that this made this, you know, more of a Mother's Day sermon was, was Jesus, this is one of his last things he said on the cross. Was he looked at, he looked at, at Mary, his mother, uh, John 19, verse uh, 26 to 27. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about John. That's right. Behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. She's the only person specifically mentioned from the cross. Right. His, his focus was on his mom and the dedication that she had had to him as a child growing up. And, she, and he offers to her the same dedication. That's right. His, his last, some of his last thoughts before he died was the welfare of his mom mm. and making sure that she was taken care of. How powerful. So anyway, I just find this a very fascinating thing that your worth is not found in any of these things that that surround us here on earth. That's right. You know, and, and God views you as worth. Mm-hmm. He loves you. And that's the truth. And so when you view him as your ultimate worth, it's a beautiful relationship. And that's the very definition of... Of a, of a woman who of noble character or That's a virtuous right. woman. So. Amen. That's good, man. Whew. You got some news? That'll preach. Yeah, I got some news. And now, the news. If it'll pull up my, my computers. All right. Some sad Did and devastating. I don't know. It's just low. I need the IT guy to look at it. A I don't sa- know any. Uh, okay. Yeah. A sad and devastating story out of Baylor again. Um, I don't know if you've heard about the, I know you've heard about the university's dark history with uh, mm. with uh, rape. Um, well, Riley needs to straighten all those guys out he over He does. There. He needs to get, he needs to go Jonathan Edwards on him. I've been saying <laughs> that for a while. The next Great Awakening is coming out of Baylor and Riley's going to be its uh, harbinger. But anyways, uh, so the first bout, the athletic director, the coach of Baylor, and the president had to step down. But now new accusations, a former volleyball player says she was brutally gang-raped by several football players, according to a federal lawsuit filed Tuesday of this week. Wow. Yeah, that's right. It's just insane. It says in 2012 she was raped between four and eight football players at an off-campus party. They filmed it um, as a way of bonding <laughs> and sent it around. What? As a way of bonding? Yeah. It, she alleges that the university um, uh, tried to quiet her and, and basically told her she didn't have any options of going to police or anything like that. Um, and so she was quiet about it, but now she's coming out after these other accusations of it so I mean it's, so it's this is one of those cases of n- breaking your wine glass oh yeah it's, dude come on it's so sad it's it's just devastating yeah it angers me mm. big time um, according to a new Gallup poll only 24% of Americans believe that the Bible is quote the actual word of God it is to be taken literally word for word meanwhile 
the 26% say the Bible is a book of fables, legends, histories, and moral <laughs> precepts recorded by man. That only a slight. Is this difference. Barna again? Yeah. They always do these. These. That's right. <laughs> So that's that's the newest one that they've done. And, you know, I report on another one last week. So yeah, they continually do that. But wow. you know, it's it, it keeps dropping. So it's something to watch. Wow, you know, all the time. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy. Uh, so Re- Relevant Magazine came out with the definitive ranking. Definitive, of course. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be done again. That's right. Ranking of early two thousands indie Christian rock. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is right up our alley, right? Yes. We love the indie I Christian rock stuff. So love that. we went over this earlier, and there were a couple that we didn't know of. There was a f- several I didn't know. Yeah. But number 10 on the list, House of Heroes, which we've had um, the lead singer. Um, yes, Tim Skipper. Tim Skipper on. On the Theos. On the Theonauts. Theonauts' very own House of Heroes. That's right. <laughs> Theonauts' very own House of Heroes, Tim Skipper. Okay, so one thing I want to say there. Wasn't this list the definitive list of early 2000s Christian rock? Yes, but they they put a disclaimer and said that they you know they they came out early and they were different, like with God Save the Foolish Kings. Yeah, but that wasn't early two thousands. Yeah, it was. Two thousand eight was when the end is not the end came out. Okay, wow. So that puts them in like two thousand three. Tim, you're getting old, man. You're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be David's birthday on Monday. Ah, knock it off. He'll be like sixty-seven or something. <laughs> All right. So uh, ageism. That's me and Michael are going to stick together. You do that, old geezers. Uh, so <laughs> number. Hey, no matter what, Michael's always older than I am. That's true. That's true. He'll never change. And I'm always older than Brendan. Yeah. Oh, man. Number nine, Plank Eye. You remember Plank Eye? I remember Plank Eye. I've got a Plank Eye album. That's good stuff. Number eight, Copeland, which I remember their name, but I don't remember listening to Now I just want to go and listen to this whole I think it's kind of weird that they got, like, if you're going to put, okay, I'm going to go back to this. If you're going to put House of Heroes in there, there's a lot of bands from that that era. Give me an example. 2005, 2000. Okay, where's Skillet on this list? Skillet's been around since 96. Skillet was not an indie rock band from 2000s, though. Sure they were. No, they were a grunge rock band originally. Well, yeah, but then they... They, <laughs> they became, what is it, industrial? Industrial, they were industrial. <laughs> but wow. still. And then they became... I don't call them indie at all. They became mainstream <laughs> rock after that. There was they no indie the about BEC them. label that was... That's, that's tooth and nail... That's not indie. Okay. Not indie. Their style of music was not indie. If they were on the label, their style of music was Okay, if you're thinking like, but but neither is House of Heroes. They're not like singer-songwriter indie style. Dude, the end is not the end totally. Oh, no, that's that's very queen. It's got a lot of classic rock elements in it. Weezer. Yeah, queen. Okay, speaking of that, Bleach. Where is Bleach on this list? That's very true. That's a good point. Dude, Bleach should show... Davey Basinger, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I'm fighting for you, man. Amen. Amen. Copeland. Remember Copeland? I, I just know the name. I, I don't... I listened to a couple of their albums when I was a kid, but it's been a while. Reliant K. Why isn't Reliant K on this list? They're not early 2000s. They're earlier than this House is, of Heroes. This is earlier 2000s. This is early 2000s. Reliant K is 90s. They came out whenever I was in high school, 96. Okay. Reliant K. Okay. 
You I know think, what I, I mean? think we're picking this apart. You're like, just it's old. <laughs> <laughs> Danielson family, which I've never heard of. But never heard of that. Yeah, pretty interesting. So if you've heard of Danielson family, drop us a line. Juliana Theory, another another one we haven't heard of. No, I knew that name. I just had no, I don't know any of the songs. Further seems forever. Heard of them? Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, Amberlin is on. Oh this yes, list. I love Amberlin. Good stuff. Good mm-hmm. stuff. And then May, which I love yep, them too. May is good. But May is not early 2000s either. No. May came out the same time Reliant K did. No. No, no they're they a little bit later. 2003, I guess. 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, what's that? The Everglow? Yes. You are now yes. entering the Everglow. It's 2005 when they came out with that. 2003, Destination Beautiful was their first album. I love Everglow, though. It's good stuff. Pedro the Lion. Uh, my best friend Noah would... Knows Pedro the Lion loves, loves Pedro that. the Lion. Mm-hmm. Good songwriting focus, and then number one, "Me Without You," which oh, <laughs> I love. I Where, love me. Where's without Benjamin you. Gate on this list? Benjamin Gate was again not early two thousands. Yes, they were. I went to Festival Condios <laughs> with Benjamin Gate in nineteen ninety eight. Oh man. <laughs> Not early 2000, dude. Okay. That's too old. (laughs) Too old. (laughs) Oh, man. Catch catch for us the foxes. Um, What's that? Brother, sister, this is all me without you. Oh, okay. That album, me Me without you is number one. Yes. Brother, sister. Powerful album. Mm -hmm. You got to listen to that. It's pretty, pretty awesome. I spent... Like a year, just that's all I listened to. Just <laughs> me with that. So, anyways, there's the definitive, definitive, yeah, mind you, definitive ranking of indie bands. Very undefinitive. Uh, says you. <laughs> so, uh, all right. And then uh, here's another good one Owen Wilson stars as God, and Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> plays the angel in an upcoming comedy series. Wow. According to Deadline, the comedy called Miracle Worker is based off the Simon Rich book, What in God's Name. The upcoming series will center around Radcliffe's character, Craig, trying to prevent the world from ending as an angel who is responsible for handling people's prayers. His boss happens to be God, played by Owen Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. You guys really messed up the world. Wow. Wow. I'm keep trying, amazed. Jeremiah. I'm keep trying. trying. <laughs> it's, it's getting there. It's, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not, I, I, because wow. I know that it's Owen Wilson, <laughs> I can hear it. <laughs> I mean, serious. Wow. Why don't you just love each other? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. And today in church history. Oh, um, wait a minute. I got to get the in the TARDIS. Hop in the TARDIS. Because you love that so much. I got to get into it. I, I just haven't had time. You know, it's funny. Every time we do this day in world history or in Christian history, we uh, we talk about Doctor Who because... <laughs> because of that <laughs> stupid TARDIS. But, but I got to say, I got to say, loving the new season... It's uh, Peter Capaldi is just blowing my mind. He's the king of the speeches. Oh yeah, like he's he's constantly talking about it's all existential and it's talking about the, the humanity and where humanity finds its worth and that kind of the same type of thing. Sure. We're about. And uh, so yeah, I just love how he is so 
so much giving these speeches. Would you say he's better than the other Who guy that you love? No, no, no. The Tenth Doctor's best. Can't can't beat uh, Tenet. David Tenet. He just knocks it out of the park. But um, I will say, I've been thinking about this lately because after our last discussion about Doctor Who, I think that Doctor Who, out of all the characters on TV, I think the Doctor is the best picture of altruism and the Christ figure out of all the TV shows I've seen. He's uh, His whole point is, the reason why he's called the Doctor, by the way, is because he fixes things. Sure. That's what his... With his sonic screwdriver. Yes, and he and he doesn't take his own life ever into account. Yeah, he'll do whatever it takes. And I, it's just like really cool thing so anyways <laughs> okay this day in church history actually it's tomorrow okay which will be may 20th in 325 can you guess what i'm going to 325 the nicing council that's right Woo! 812 bishops gathered in the center of the room on a throne lay the four gospels the emperor himself dressed in a purple gown and wearing a silver diadem opened the council it was he who had called them together i rejoice to see you here yet i should be more pleased to see unity and affection among you in this corner that's Arius the heretic. And in this corner, <laughs> Saint Nicholas. Santa gonna the punch you. Iron of fist. <laughs> <laughs> in the uh, next few days, they would devote, devote primarily to one purpose finding the way to describe exactly who Jesus was. Was he God or was he man? What right. was the nature of Jesus? Yep. Which was the whole purpose of the Council of Nicaea. Don't listen to Dan Brown. He's an idiot. <laughs> and that <laughs> and Bart Ehrman. Bart Ehrman doesn't, right. doesn't know what he's saying. It was, it was not a council in order to <laughs> canonize scripture. Canonize scripture had nothing to do with that. <laughs> anyway, so yes, tomorrow will be the first day of the Council of Nicaea. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. My birthday happens on the during council. the Council of Nicaea. Isn't that amazing? Congratulations. That's cool. <laughs> I was pro- it's probably the day Nicholas, Nicholas actually punched, him punched in the face. Arius. <laughs> It's just an, an epic day, May twentieth. David Gaddy's born twenty second. Was oh May twenty second. Yeah, that's what I was saying. If it starts tomorrow, oh okay, I get you. Then yeah. All right, May twenty second. Yeah, yeah. Santa Claus punches Jesus in the face <laughs> to find out if that's there. You go. Right, that would be awesome. <laughs> you might be able to. All right, that's all I got for you, man. That's it. That's it. Oh well, give me the script and let's get out of here. Deal. All right. Oh wait a minute! Before we do, okay, I want to sh- I want to shout out a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to. I want to shout out to Samuel Bobo again. Yeah, okay, Bobo so- down there in uh, where is he from? Mississippi, Biloxi, Biloxi, Mississippi. All right, <laughs> all right. Samuel's been very active on our Facebook page. Yes, he's been he sending us some messages, talking with us. Kind of cool. A great guy. I like him. And um, and so and he doesn't take great offense to us messing up his name or making fun of him no. or anything. So, <laughs> which is nice. I like that. So, uh, yeah, anyway, um, he is now a patron. Yes. And he claims it's not because we gave him a shout-out. So That's good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm shouting out to hope maybe he'll contribute again. But <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's no, so funny. No, but I want to... <laughs> oh, man. Poor no, guy. But, but I want to also mention that... Uh, um, oh, let me, let me pull up his uh, message he left us. Because I thought it was really cool. Yes. Um, he says... 
I am more indebted to you two than you could imagine. I intend to call in soon and really try to encourage you guys with how y'all have encouraged me. I don't feel like you picked on my name either. I actually wanted to apologize because I felt like my remarks about Jeremiah being more redneck than I produced a joking <laughs> divide between you two. I mean, come on, referring to the difference between Oklahoma and Texas <laughs> as the difference between the USA and Canada was harsh. Yes, it was. Thank true, you, Bobo. True. But oh, harsh. no, thank you, Bobo. <laughs> He says, oh, I'm a troll, and I'm so sorry for it. I have to take David's side on that one, but it was harsh. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he wanted to know, he went on and, and to ask about, uh, he was, he's was he been going through our backlog. Yeah. And wanted to know, uh, he heard our episode on Haiti and uh, wanted to know if the child sponsorship program yes. was still happening with Footprints of Charity, which is the uh, charity that uh, that I currently run. And it is an ongoing sponsorship. <coughs> it is, and uh, he is now a child sponsor, Yay, too. So, yes. Awesome. Thank you, Thank Brother Thank you Samuel, so much. Uh, for your help of sponsoring a kid. Brother Bobo. Brother Bobo. Because, uh, yeah, and we, in fact, will be uh, continuing to work in Haiti. We've got all kinds of irons in the fire. Uh, we are still trying to get our well drilling rig out of customs. That's going to happen. We believe it. There is definitely some movement there. We actually got the ambassador to Haiti involved. Mm -hmm. And it uh, looks like they're going to make not our specific agency, but the one that we teamed up with, a, an official NGO to uh, Haiti. So it's duty free. Right. And so we're not going to have to pay those. Ex it was like $14,000 that they were wanting to release this <laughs> thing. And plus daily interest. So, so, um, so anyway, uh, that it looks like it's going to happen. Uh, we still got to raise a little bit of money to get the, um, to get the barge to ship it over to Loganov. Right. But once we get it in Loganov, uh, I am praying to God that, that there's going to be some water delivered to the people there. That's a desperate need. Amen. And so uh, it's growing. We're going back in November sometime. That's awesome, brother. And it sounds like we've got a good uh, number of people interested in going with us this time. So, Well, I know I want to <clears throat> take the youth in December sometime. I think we ought to do a January, like a December, like a small, yeah. yeah trip and do a mission trip so they can blow their minds yeah we may have to we, we'll have to start planning that pretty soon but definitely so yes so again samuel samuel thanks for tuning in yes, thanks for thanks, being a samuel. part of the theonauts thanks for being a theonaut man this is what it's all about is Amen. uh you encourage us as we encourage you and we're all family we're all brothers and sisters and and we're just trying to, we're in this thing together. We're all know? exploring so. God's word together. Amen. Yes, that's what it's all about. It's good. All right, let's get her out of here. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and the Secret Fire Podcast. Visit our website at Theonauts Podcast for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher, and be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Or how about this one? Call us. Yeah. Call us. We'd love to hear your voice. Yes. I know you've got mobile phones. There's no long distance charges anymore. It's not a big deal. Just holler at us. Yes. Call us on our voicemail line, 972-885-7270. 
Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. If you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. And don't forget to tune in again to explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At Transmission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, stop it! <laughs>